This is Unreddited with countless screaming Argonauts for the week of August 29th, 2011. Welcome to Unreddited with Countless Screaming Argonauts, the show that looks at some of the favorite Reddit stories of the week. I am TFabP, the Fabulous Penguin. And I'm Max. And Max, just like in our other show, I got a boatload of stuff, so I'm going to jump right in. All right. I don't know if we can top our other show. We were pretty good the last... We were, we were hot. Yep. We were hot. Okay, so um, I, I chose this one. This was an AMA. I chose this for a couple of reasons. One, because there's been a lot of controversy with AMAs this week on Reddit. And uh, and I thought that it deserved a, a, a prop. And uh, the other thing is because this one was a little close to, to my interest. Right. And uh, I'll, read you, I'll read you the statement, and I'll tell you why, and then I'll read some of the comments. I am a behavioral analyst for a grocery store. I know what to buy, Big Brother style. I'm sorry. I didn't know grocery stores had behavioral analysts. Oh, they do. They certainly do. Ask me anything. Uh-huh, okay. Uh, I am Internet is the guy who submitted it, and his yeah. statement was, I work for a consulting firm that analyzes shopper behavior to make marketing decisions. I have access to millions of people's grocery transactions over the past eight years. I've been working in this role for about a year. Ask me anything. So the reason this is interesting is because I know somebody, my former brother-in-law, mm-hmm. works for a grocery store in New York City. And he has talked about these kind of things all the time, that they get a, a notice from the upper office, you know, from the mm-hmm. central office that says you need to do this, this, and this in terms of how you show product, or you need to do this in terms of remodeling the store. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so in, in this Reddit thread, there were some of the best questions and best answers I've seen in a long time. So I just I, I wanted to read a few of the comments. I, actually, there were questions. So I wanted to read some of the questions because I just thought that they were really good and well thought out, and the answers were were wonderful. This guy knows his stuff, okay. and he knows how to respond in a, in a column like this. So Ask Credit wrote, "How does <laughs> how does correlating my grocery purchases make the store better for me? I mean, from a practical perspective, knowing." that when I buy X, I also buy Y and Z. How is that actually used to change how the store does business? Mm. And I am Internet responds. Which items are carried? Which items are substitutes? Which items are complements? How aisles should be arranged? How products should be arranged on the shelf? How to promote items? The list goes on. Example, having just graduated from a fine learning establishment, I know that when people buy a case of Natty Light, They're probably going to want to buy solo cups, so you put them in the same aisle. That's easy. But I also know there's a good chance they might want ping pong balls. (laughs) If they're on the end of the aisle, your friend won't be pissed at you for forgetting them because you'll see them on your way to the checkout. Right. That's a great answer. I mean, that explains it exactly. Yep, yep. End caps. End cap space is hugely important in marketing. Absolutely. I remember my my ex brother in law saying that store that companies were in competition for specific spe- uh, shelf space. Oh yeah, absolutely. The bottom shelf goes for way less than than the top shelf or, or the middle shelf. Eye, eye level shelves, right? Right, right. All right. So Tommy Two Tats said, "What happens when the government starts letting health insurance companies get their hands on the data?" 
to start chain to start charging premiums based on how healthy the purchases are. Buying a lot of ground meat and Fritos, premiums rise uh, because of your heart attack risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I don't like the card. The information never goes away. We don't quite know 10 years from now what the purpose will be. And now this is how the guy answers. I am internet. Mm-hmm. He says, there was an incident, and this, this scares me. Mm-hmm. There was an incident a few years ago where a man slipped and hurt himself in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And he sued the store to pay for his medical expenses. Part of the store's defense was pulling his data and portraying him as an alcoholic because of his liquor purchases. Wow. Doesn't that scare you? I mean, that is Big Brother. That's 1984. Okay, another another question. Ace of Hearts says, tell me any non-obvious interesting things you learned at your job. And I Am Internet said, we did a study about marketing program that we rolled out. Two months before the program started, 9% of the people surveyed reporting having seen it. People say the dumbest shit. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that's it. I mean, you know, he, he basically in that he says that you have to account for that kind of stuff in your any kind of marketing strategy. Yeah. You have to. Yeah, you know, that there's, just, there's just dumb shit that gets sent. <laughs> JHOK said, how has your own shopping behavior changed since you started on the job, if at all? And I am Internet said three big ones. One, I rarely buy national brands. In most cases, the only difference between name brands and store brands is marketing. Right, uh, because in a lot of cases, the store brand is made by the same manufacturer. Number two, he said, I coupon. I have a coworker who hasn't paid for a personal hygiene product in three years because these companies discount so heavily. <laughs> I thought you were say, because that person really stinks. <laughs> and number three is I shop more frequently and spend longer times in the store. It helps. I, I agree that most most times the national brands are, are equal. Right. But when they're not, it's very, very disturbing. I like my Rice Krispies in the morning with a little yogurt. Mm-hmm. And I buy the name brand Rice Krispies. I've oh, yeah. tried. Oh, yeah, I've yeah. Tried non-name brand, and they're terrible. I am a Cocoa Puffs follower, and the same is true with them. You know, in some products, you just don't get the same thing. It's true. Another example for me is pickles. Oh, yeah? I I normally buy the store brand pickles. Okay. And and they are good, and I like my pickles. I like my pickles with a sandwich. I like them for a little bit of a snack. Pickles Pickles are all right by me. A couple of weeks ago, I bought... Some Vlasic. Oh, the best. And it was like my mouth died and went to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I tried the store brand this week, and I can't do the store brand. I've lost that 22 cents. There's a big chain store down here called Wegmans. I tried Wegmans Diet Soda. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, what did you uh, pull from Reddit this week? Well, I'm going to get on my soapbox here a little bit because... Dude, that's so unusual. Yeah, I mean. Greece is looking to the sun for a plan that will help it emerge from its deep economic troubles and solar giant EU powerhouse Germany may be the beneficiary. According to a report Saturday in the Greek daily newspaper Tania, a $29 billion project, that's 20 billion euros, could create as many as 60,000 positions in job-starved Greece by harvesting its abundant sunshine and shipping it to Germany. <laughs> Germany's going to build a solar reflecting plant in Greece. 
Hmm, interesting. Germany's committed itself to moving rapidly away from nuclear power following Japan's earthquake. See, this makes sense. Yeah, sure. You know, we had a nuclear problem, we had an earthquake, and we lost four nuclear power plants. It's a bad idea. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Spliffa writes, Germany, responsible for money, technology, built up, and staff. Greece, responsible for lighting the sunshine. <laughs> Good job if you can get it, right? That's right. You know, uh, the, the Greek economy is a pittance compared to the German economy. Overall, you know that this this is one of my big axes to grind. Is why don't we take advantage of solar power? I mean, that's why I always bring up these stories about the the wind towers and stuff. I mean, because I know that you're this is right in your wheelhouse. I think this is what Obama should have done on day one. I've said it before, and I honestly believe it. The most common response is amplified amplified by Forrest P.K., who said, Great Scott! And Derp Logic said, Greater Scott. (laughs) And Bisquick says, 10 gigawatts isn't actually all that much. Germany, Germany alone generates over 630 terawatts of electricity. It would definitely be one of the biggest solar arrays, if not the biggest on the planet right now. And the editor underneath writes... Confused kilowatt hours with instantaneous power output. This is actually quite significant. I sleep in a hammock writes, you're confusing units of power and units of energy. So this project is quite significant. It represents about 14% of total German electricity production. That's pretty significant. 14% of German electricity production is a lot. Yeah. And I think we could get a much bigger percentage of that for these United States. And Bisquick says, I stand corrected. Thank you. Yeah. And I sleep in hammock. says, yeah, I've always hated the kilowatt hours. Such a clumsy, inconvenient unit. Now, obviously, joules is a very simil- very small amount of energy, so maybe we should use megajoules. And then Hunch says, because sooner or later a comedian has to show up, Reddit being Reddit. It wouldn't be Reddit without it, And yeah. the nice thing, I think the, the, the thing about Reddit is you have the comedians and you have the brains. And you can, you can go back and forth between the two. So Hunt says, if they start buying up DeLoreans, I'm moving to Germany. <laughs> That's cute. That's yeah. funny. Did anyone bring up the issue of across national lines? Germany and, and Greece are on the same economic program. Right. It's also a cooperation thing like we would do with Canada or with Mexico. I understand that right. too. Right. It's, it's, it's more closely tied with that, than that. And by the way, I've been listening to Planet Money – and all, really all economic experts agree, Greece will fail economically. They will, they will uh, go bankrupt, whatever the term. But anyway, Monk Lord says, and why doesn't everyone else do this? I do believe, and this is the thing where I was going, a lot of the U.S. is on the same or nearly the same latitude as much of Greece. Why not build mass solar panels and throw them in the desert? NIMBY mostly. I, I don't think so. It's nobody's backyard. It's the fucking desert. Yeah, yeah, but you know, that's like, it's like those wind towers off of Cape Cod. They're 22 miles off the shore, and people are complaining that it ruins their view. Yeah. You know, how far into the desert are you going to go where somebody's going to say, hey, I hike in that area. Why should they build, why should they put solar panels there and have all those big trucks? Yeah, all those big trucks going in and out. And, And you know what? We just had a hurricane go through here, 
and it caused power outages all over the place because everybody has fucking power lines in front of their house. You know, if you look at the landscape, I mean, I, I drive around, you know, I, I take pictures of pretty old houses in New York, and I have to go out of my way to find an angle where I'm not getting a picture of the power line. We live with it. Yeah, you're right. Bloody Sneeze, <laughs> which is a weird name, <laughs> says, because it's wildly expensive for the return on investment. Not to say that it isn't worth the cost, and this is my point exactly, but the cost is certainly a major factor. we got to spend the fucking money. Mm-hmm. And that'll be my last word as far as preaching goes. A person, and I, this is this is hey, this person wrote it. I didn't I didn't come up with this name, but I'm bringing it in because I want you to explain the answer to me. The person's name is Jubag X, and and it, he says T R semicolon D R colon Republicans. Too long, didn't read. Oh, short answer is Republicans. Okay, too long, didn't read. Republicans. And, and I, I think that's the answer. Yeah, I think you're right. That's interesting. Because I knew that, th- that they came to the right conclusion. <laughs> I just didn't know what he was saying. I heart corruption writes, hell yeah, germs. I'm totally down with going halves on a solar array. Hey, listen, though, Deutschland, I'm waiting on some things to come up. Could you uh, front me 10 billion euros until I get caught up? <laughs> Don't worry. My people pay, pay plenty of taxes. I'll have your cash for you then. And that's all the quotes I got from that. But that was my uh, my favorite axe to grind, and there it was. And and uh, why don't we do that in America? I really, really wish we would. So now can you step off your soapbox yep. and tell me another one that you found this week? Okay. A little shorter to the point. Today I learned that Steve Jobs is Arab-American. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. His serious father's name was Abdul Fattah Jandali. Holy mackerel. I mean, he just gives a bunch of people another reason to hate him, doesn't it? <laughs> I was thinking it might give people a reason to like Arabs. Oh, yeah. I could be, but I, that's not the way our country works, Max. You know that. Well, unfortunately, I do, and you're right. Let's hear it for Arab Americans is, is what I'm trying to say here. Oh, absolutely. And among a, a few others, that I followed a link to Wiki, and I found out that Shannon Elizabeth, you know who Shannon Elizabeth is? I do not. She was in American Pie there, the movie where... Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, actress, yeah. Yeah, and she was also in Hello, Wisconsin there, that TV show. Really hot young actress. There you go. Uh, Also uh, has a Syrian father. Sammy Hagar is partially Lebanese. There you go. We have a friend who's... Syrian and Lebanese, absolutely. This is is why I'm flogging this point. I, I know... Arab Americans, and I love them. We need to uh, to broaden our horizons a little. Tony Shalhoub probably knew was an Arab. Yeah, that that one makes sense. One more, Frank Zappa makes sense. The only one in the the only one that, in the group that seems like he doesn't belong is Steve Jobs. But that's just you know that's well, Stan and Elizabeth. Well, yeah, I yeah, never I in a million years would have guessed Syrian. This is mindful of that Adam Sandler song. Yeah, yeah. For Jews for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Where he names all the famous Jews. I mean, you know, you, you find out a lot of people were Jewish that you never had a clue. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> at Christmas time, I play all three versions all the time. <laughs> uh, you are so stupid, writes, it, this explains his excellent business skills, which I think <laughs> is probably racist, but I'm not sure. And then here's an interesting thing that I, I unfortunately didn't have time to track down. Mohammed C. writes, I read the wiki 
but it wasn't clear why his biological parents originally gave him up for adoption. Does anyone have any insight on this? Hmm. I bet you they're kicking themselves now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good point. JK147 wrote, Steve gave somewhat of an insight to this during his Stanford commencement speech, and we will be able to provide the link to his Stanford commencement speech. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's nice. Interesting stuff. (laughs) And the answer from Boreal Girl says, because he wouldn't shut up. (laughs) Well, speaking of TILs, I, I came across one this week that I thought was pretty interesting. Today I learned what a Brannock device is. You've seen them a hundred times, but probably never knew what it was called. Okay. Submitted by Marfalump. And do you know what a Brannock device is? I do not, and, and I have a bad feeling that I've heard of this somewhere. Oh, you, well, you may not have heard of it, but you certainly have seen them and know of them. It's the device that they use in a shoe store to measure your shoes. It's about the two wings oh, to measure your foot width and the, you know, you put your heel in it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's a Brannock device. Okay. And the comments, of course, were, you know, were great. Wolf's Tag said, haven't seen those in a long time. I had forgotten all about them. I seem to remember salespeople measuring my foot in them when I was really young, like in the late 80s or early 90s. Yeah. That, that, that hurt. Yeah, that's cold. I got profit, says. I also remember getting a balloon when, the new, when you got new sneakers and shoes in the 80s and 90s. Buster Brown, anyone? Why doesn't Foot Locker give out damn balloons? <laughs> in my real life, I used to go to the dentist when I was a child. When I got out of the dentist chair, you know what he would give me? Uh, some candy? A lollipop, that's right. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> Job security. Scary guy said, I always called that a foot scale. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what I called it, the foot measure thing. Yeah, well, several people said a, f- a foot measure thingy. <laughs> um, Litsawo said, I worked in a shoe store, and my manager was the only one who called it a Brannock. Everybody else called it the measurer. Yeah. Now, this is one that I didn't know, and I'm I'm going out on the limb here to try to say this one. Okay. Uh, Not Bob said, K-N-O-T, Bob said, Mm -hmm. my favorite tongue twister is on the back of most Brannock devices, Hmm. and it is fit, flat feet, one width wider. (laughs) Try to say that three times fast without stumbling over your words. Yeah, yeah. And I have the most fat. (laughs) <laughs> the most flat feet of anyone you know. <laughs> Let me see. A couple other comments. Talk about, you know, when, when, you, when you introduce something like this, yeah. there's always a couple of people in the crowd who, like, go above and beyond. And there you were know, two. Yeah. There were two here. Okay. SR Reality said, I actually own one of these. <laughs> there was a shoe store near my work going out of business and selling everything off. I had to go back three times before they would sell it to me. But eventually, I bought it for $20. Now it's mounted on the wall of my office as a conversation piece. Yeah. This may sound a little weird, but I always liked them, the feel of having my foot measured. You know, I was going to say to you that, you know, I have memories of doing it as a kid. Yeah. It's always something special about it. I don't know what it was. Maybe (laughs) it felt like you were special. Maybe because somebody was paying attention to you as a a 12-year-old that nobody else did. I don't know. I don't think I have a foot fetish. I know I'm not gay. I know I have a foot <laughs> fetish, but that's not the reason either. Yeah. 
Yeah, I always kind of liked it. It, it. You know, you, you wanted to line that thing up with the big knuckle on the side of your big toe. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Joni Mitchell said, I used to count lovers like railroad cars. I counted them on my side. I kind of count the Brannock device on my side in an odd kind of way. Yeah. You know, it was the, it was the thing you, you sort of look forward to as a thing like the dentist drill, which you definitely looked. Not. Uh, just one other comment. Uh, Denny Romulus said, I know about this because the author of the UniWatch blog, Paul Lucas, is obsessed with it. As you can see from this photo, he actually has a tattoo of it. And the photo shows him <laughs> dancing on a picnic table, and on his right arm, he's got a tattoo of a Braddock device. All right, now see, that goes too far. That's over the line. Uh, in my opinion, I, you know, it's okay to think nice thoughts about the cool thing they put under your feet that measures your knuckles of your toes. But, no, uh, I, I'm not wearing a tattoo of my foot measuring device. Um, I had one other one. It's also a TIL, and I, this is right up your alley. Okay. Today I learned that almost all of us pronounce Dr. Seuss wrong. This was submitted by Cyan Kirby, and he quotes the wiki article on Dr. Seuss, and it says, Giselle's pen name is regularly pronounced Seuss, an anglicized pronunciation inconsistent with his German surname. He himself noted that his name rhymed with voice. Really? And Alexander Liang, his collaborator on the Dartmouth Jack-O-Lantern, wrote this poem of him. You're wrong as the deuce, and you shouldn't rejoice. If you're calling him Seuss, he pronounced it Seuss. Wow. It says the, the wiki article also says that he switched to an anglicized pronunciation from the German because it invoked a figurous advantage for an author of children's books to be associated with Mother Goose. Ah, so so he was okay with people calling it Seuss. Well, that's what it sounds like, and that was some of the argument that went on in the uh, in in the comments. I I always pronounce his last name. Geisel. Is it Geisel, you think? I don't know. Uh, th- that would be another one to know. Geisel? I've always heard it pronounced as Geisel. But the comments were basically divided into two parts. One part argued about whether or not it's, co- it's correct to say that we pronounce it wrong if, in fact, he accepted and promoted that pronunciation. Yes, and, and that's where I was going to go. Right, and people say, you know, just because somebody says 2 plus 2 is 3, over and over again, doesn't make that correct. It may make it what is established as being okay. And, and we talk about that with worry words are pronounced all the time. All the time. You know, but that doesn't make it right. That just means that it's different from what he might have. Right. In, in Britain, they call it a lift. But in America, they call it a lift. <laughs> Sorry, I was shooting for a joke there. It just and sometimes they fall flat. <laughs> and, the other, and the other half were the comments that, uh, again... The, the uh, Reddit comedians were out. Oh, yeah. Matrix Frog said, at least we spelled it right. <laughs> uh, Moon Daddy One said, childhood ruined. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little strong. Yep. I, I, I agree. I agree. But that's uh, but that was the uh, that was the Seuss one. I know that that's close to your heart. Yes. Well, uh, if I had to name my top ten authors, he would be in the list. Uh, I love him. I think he's great. And uh, I even stole some of his work for a play that I wrote. I know. I got in trouble. (laughs) I I just wish I could find the cease and desist letter. (laughs) 
That's one of my favorite things about you, Max, is that you got a cease and desist from his estate. I, me too. I just think it's it's fabulous, and and you know I hope they come after me because I want to I want to say I was sued by Dr. Seuss. I just I can't wait. Do you want to do your last one? Sure. Yeah, because it, it it's not that big. All right. You remember who Kevin Smith is? We talked about him in a couple of veins. In 1999, today I learned in 1999, Kevin Smith protested his own movie, Dogma. <laughs> and, the, and they show a link to a video where he is out there standing with a bunch of Catholics protesting his uh, movie. And, and, you know, the, the news person dutifully came around to him, and he says something along the line of, uh, you know, I just don't think it's right. And Thursday, Thursday says, I hope nobody thought that he actually sincerely, non-sarcastically protested his own movie. And Jackal Frank wrote, according to Poe's Law, and this is where I get to to uh, remember Poe's Law. Poe's Law is named after its author Nathan Poe in an, an internet adage uh, reflecting that without a clear indication of an author's intent, it is difficult or impossible to tell the difference between sin- sincere extremism and an exaggerated parody of extremism. Absolutely. I knew you'd remember that. I just, yes. Yeah, well, that's so true. According to Poe's Law, there's going to be someone, in caps, out there that thinks it is real. Mm-hmm. And Legendary Ironwood wrote, I did, but then I read the comments, which at least he had the, the, the good sense to fess up. Isn't that similar to what happens with Obama when somebody labels him well, actually, uh, labels him anything, but a racist, you know, yeah, you know, any 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 of those kind of things that he gets, uh, you know, that he gets stuck. With. Yeah, it just seems like if if you hear it once on the internet, if you hear it twice on the internet, it becomes true. Right, and it starts out as sarcasm and somehow ends up being real. Yeah, the, the yeah. best comment was from Ariada, who who wrote, "But how do you know in in italics?" He was being sarcastic in italics, you know, which just gets to the point altogether. Absolutely. And Yarg, Yarg wrote, I like the sign at the end, dogma is a sin. That has to be the most oxymoronic protest sign ever. <laughs> I thought that was a good uh, that was a good one. That is. I was going to say, uh, Reddit, Reddit came through this week and had I, a lot of funny stuff. Reddit comes through. A lot of interesting through. stuff. You really only have to give it time and Reddit will come through for you. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, I want to say goodnight to you, and and you hang in there. We'll talk to you again next week. Hi, this is Miss Nicole of 8 Beer Sampling Productions. You've been listening to Max and T-Fab P, the fabulous penguin of Countless Screaming Argonauts, the podcast of record. Listen to their podcast adventures at csapodcast.blogspot.com or download it free from the iTunes podcast store. Just search Countless Screaming Argonauts. The boys love to hear from you, so email them at csapodcasts at gmail.com. Finally, if you want to show your allegiance to the show, pick up some CSA swag and help make the boys famous. You can purchase hats, shirts, and mugs along with other appropriate gear at Cafe Press. Click the link on their webpage. And thanks for listening. Yeah, you know, I heard an, an interesting debate on another one of my podcasts, my millions and millions of podcasts, about Google. And is Google fashioning our responses to uh, appeal to us? And the, the debate was unclear. There's different opinions. 
and it's an experiment that I'd love to do. Um, get together a bunch of people on the internet, people who are avowedly of a different political persuasion, and have us all type in the same Google question and see whether we get personalized feeds. They're trying to, supposedly, they're trying to personalize our responses so that it takes less microseconds to give us what we're asking for. 